Hello, hello. This is Carl Sussman with the Insurance Hour on KZSB, 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today is going to be a very interesting day because I am taking questions from listeners and providing answers. Uh, with luck, the correct answers. But before we get into that, remember, you are catching me today live at 12 o'clock noon, and there will be a replay of the show at 7 o'clock p.m. tonight. You can catch it again Wednesday at 6 a.m., Saturday at 7 p.m., and Sunday at 1 p.m. Any questions, you can, of course, email to me at carl at am1290kzsb.com or bug the switchboard at 805-564-1290. So let's get into it. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to cover questions that I get about homeowners insurance in California, which shockingly <laughs> is quite a big thing these days. So uh, the first question that I have, uh, which is, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, I'm not going to read you the exact question. Some of them are quite aggressive, to be honest. But um, this, is, uh, this is the general question is, why do I need to buy homeowners insurance in California? And, you know, there could be about three hours to discuss this, but uh, for the most part, let's just talk about the main reasons. Primarily, the reason you purchase homeowner's insurance for the same reason you purchase most insurance in general is to protect your investment in something. People's homes tend to be their largest investment. It might be the largest investment that they ever have. So purchasing proper insurance to protect that investment is major. It's a big deal. You definitely do not want to not have coverage in the event your largest investment suffers a loss. That's the first thing. And I would say the most obvious, but apparently not. Uh, another reason that you have to purchase homeowner's insurance is to protect the investment for collateral sake. Most people, when they purchase a home, they don't have just that amount, a big chunk of cash lying around and buy a house with it. They will put some money down, and then they will also pay uh, a mortgage to a lender. Someone or uh, a bank or another entity will, in fact, loan money to them to be able to pay for the entire property. And in doing so, they want to be sure, they meaning whoever's lending that money, that you do, in fact, have protection for their collateral. Because let's face it, if you owe somebody money or you owe a bank money uh, as loan for your house, and your house suffers a loss, and you say, eh, and you walk away, all of a sudden they're stuck. They, they have this outstanding loan with you. They don't have collateral. They can't sell the house because it suffered a loss. And they're out that money. So another main reason for purchasing home insurance is because you have to. Because in order to obtain a loan, which is what most of us do, you do have to have insurance to protect your collateral. Those are going to be the two primary reasons. And again, there are many, many other things. We're talking about uh, you know, liability coverage that tends to come with homeowner's insurance, which, again, doesn't specifically provide coverage for the, the physical damage, but it protects you. I mean, there are tons and tons of other things that we could talk about. But I wanted to just mention those two things primarily because people will ask, again, why do I have to have home insurance? Well, there are your two primary reasons. The next question, and I'm extrapolating a little bit, uh, had to do with, does it matter what I pay for insurance depending on where my house is located? Uh, and this is a big one, and that's a big yes. It makes a huge difference. In California, you have, as you know, if you've lived in California or you know anything about geography, 
we have everything from the ocean to mountains to cities uh, to lakes to rivers, you name it. We have uh, just about every type of landscape and every type of environment that you can possibly imagine. And because of that, the risk factors involved in insuring them are going to be impacted as well, which, again, makes total sense, right? If it turns out that you live in the mountains, your risk of fire is higher than if you live in the middle of the city. However, if you live in the middle of the city, your risk of perhaps a burglary might be higher than if you lived in some faraway place in the mountains. Similarly, if you live near the ocean, you might have the potential for having damage by floodwaters. So there are lots of different things that go into determining what your risk profile, what the house's risk profile are when purchasing insurance. So yes, the location matters tremendously with regard to what you're going to pay for insurance. Another one I'll throw in there because it should not be overlooked, forgetting where the location of the house is and connecting that with the likelihood of damages from things like floods or earthquakes or fires, the cost to repair is different in different areas. There are building permits that could be more expensive. We had uh, Tony Lewis on the program uh, shortly, a week or, week or two ago, and she was talking about the costs of permits in certain areas, and we were talking about costs in the neighborhood of $30,000. That's still mind-blowing for me, <laughs> but you have to keep in mind, that was, I believe, if I remember correctly, an example of what permitting can cost in, in the Santa Barbara, California area. Now, that might be high in Santa Barbara. It might be less if you're purchasing something in, I don't know, Beverly Hills. It might be more. If you're purchasing it in Merced, it might be more. It might be less. It depends on the size of the house. There are just so many factors that are involved in, in what your premium is going to be. The location is just a primary factor because it has its tentacles reach out into so many different directions. The next question, um, which sort of ha it looks like I was starting to answer part of it, are uh, what affects my insurance premium? And there are, again, in California, there are, because we're a very regulated state, we're a very consumer-friendly state, the Department of Insurance will decide what it, it considers uh, fair or what it considers reasonable uh, items to be taken into consideration when determining premium based on your home, in, based on your actual home. So there are certain things that are taken into consideration. The area, of course, just like we talked about a few minutes ago, uh, is it in an area that is potentially going to have damage for from some type of catastrophe like wildfire or flood? The age of the home has a major impact as well. Now, this is a double-edged sword because if you look at an older home, and again, I'm, I'm being general when I say newer or older because depending on the area that you're in, what is considered new and what is considered old could be very different. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt. But for the most part, older homes, you might say, well, look, the house has been around for 50, 60, 70, 80 or more years. It's still there. So I should assume that it's going to be, you know, a better risk because it's weathered the storms for so long. Oh God, too many puns in that, just way too many. And, and on the other hand, Looking at a brand new home, you might say, well, you know what, as it turns out, having a new home like this is going to be a better risk because look at all of the new safety factors that are involved. Look at all the building codes that are updated that, it, that are going into protecting it. So 
The argument can be made both ways for newer homes and for older homes. Let me throw one at you that we see with some frequency on on really, really new homes, uh, and, and that's damage from pipes breaking. Now, on older homes, there tends to be crawl space under the house, right? It's that little space that the gremlins live under your house. And you can, people can crawl around under there and that's where you're going to find plumbing and that's where you're going to find all sorts of other parts, you know, the, the mechanics for the house. Some, some houses even have a basement, depending on where you are, or a sub area where you might find things like the water heater and things like that. And if there's a leak in a pipe, it's, I say trivial, haha, I'm not a plumber. I will say more trivial to replace, to repair the broken pipe when there's crawl space, if you can crawl down there, remove the pipe and replace it. Newer homes do not all have crawl space. Actually, most of them don't. Instead, the home is built directly on a slab of concrete. So where are the pipes? Well, the pipes are actually laid in the concrete before the concrete is poured. So in the event that there is a water leak, now, instead of crawling into the crawl space, get into the pipe and doing whatever needs to be done to replace it, we could be talking about literally having to jackhammer into the foundation, into the concrete that is the house, that is the foundation, to find the pipe and do the repair. Diagnosing where the leak is, repairing the leak, dramatically different than, again, just crawling underneath and uh, making repair to that one particular spot. So newer can be better, older can be better. There are just many factors that will go into that. And we're going to go over a handful more after this quick break. Again, this will be a short break and I'll be right back. Again, you're listening to the Insurance Hour with me, your host, Carl Sussman. This is KZSB 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. And I will speak with you before you know it. The Insurance Hour with me, your host, Carl Sussman on KZSB Santa Barbara, 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. I'm live every Tuesday at 12 o'clock PM, replay at 7 o'clock PM, and you can hear it again Wednesday, 6 o'clock AM, Saturday, 7 o'clock PM, and Sunday, 1 o'clock PM. Hello, hello, and welcome back. This is Carl Sussman with the Insurance Hour, and you are listening to KZSB 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. I am here to answer your insurance questions, help educate you on the insurance market, and do all of those other fun things, because who doesn't love an hour to sit and talk about insurance? I know I love it. I'm just an insurance nerd. What can I tell you? Uh, it's just in my DNA. Everyone in the family has been in the insurance industry. I mean, I'm talking everybody from both parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, sister, brother-in-laws. And by the way, I'm not exaggerating. Nephews. All of these people in my family have been in some capacity involved in the insurance industry. So I suppose when I say it's in my DNA, I am not kidding. All right, let's get back to it. Before our break, we were talking about different factors that will impact your homeowner's insurance premium. 
And we were talking about how having a newer home could be good, having an older home could be good. It just depends on what it is. It reminds me of something else having to do with earthquakes. And there's, there's, a, there's somewhat of a debate regarding whether it makes sense to have your home bolted. Bolting has to do with um, how your house is actually attached to the foundation. Some will argue that getting your home bolted is a good thing and that it will actually prevent potential damage to your property in the event of an earthquake. Others will argue, well, that's true if it's a vertical type of earthquake because up and down, if it's bolted, is a good thing. However, the side-to-side shearing earthquakes, you could actually be doing your home an injustice by bolting it because it won't have that leeway. It won't have that ability to move. Now, I am far from an expert on this topic, so I'm not going to get into it, only to point out that primarily the, the agreement seems to be that, hey, it's better to have your home bolted. Many insurance companies will actually offer discounts for having your home bolted to the foundation. So since they're they're going with that, I have to take the same position and say that more likely than not, you're better off to have your home bolted since, again, we know if there's one thing about insurance companies, they do it by the numbers. And if they're offering discounts based on the fact that the home is bolted, I think it's a safe bet that that is going to be a an advantage more than a disadvantage. So we were talking about factors that were affect that affect your property insurance premium. We did talk about location. We talked about the age of the home. Construction type is another major factor. It, you know, remember the story of the three little pigs, right? Well, the different home constructions. Uh, a house that's built out of wood and frame is going to have one type of potential damage factor to one that's built out of masonry or bricks or concrete or who knows what. Also, keep in mind things like the the sophistication of the house. You know, I'll drive around and I'm, I, again, because I'm the insurance nerd that I am, I look at houses and I think, oh, this is a nice looking house. Wow, this one would be expensive. Look at the size of those windows. Those are custom made, oddly shaped, blah, blah, blah windows. Oh my gosh, look at the framing of that. Look at the angle of that. It's kind of sad now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, I'm looking at these things and I'm impressed, but I'm also in my mind going through the different cost factors that could be implicated because of them. Now, a simple A-frame house is going to cost less to rebuild because it has more standard sizes, parts in essence, than something that's extremely customized. Back in the day, um, insurance carriers used to have very simple models for trying to help agents decide what the replacement value, how much to insure a piece of property uh, was for. And it became, it used to be as simple as, is it a basic house? Is it a complicated house? Or is it a very custom house? And based on those factors, the computer would do some calculations and help give us a replacement value. You still have to talk to the client. You still have to go over the details. But it was it was sort of a, a, a barometer to try and get you in the ballpark. That was many, many years ago. Now it's even more sophisticated and they'll ask more details. They'll ask things about the height of this ceiling, the type, not just is there carpet or tile, what type of carpet or tile is there? Is there granite countertops? Is there marble flooring? Uh, is there a vacuum system? Wow, am I dating myself? You know, that used to be a thing. You would, you'd go to these very expensive homes and you'd see these odd shaped holes in the wall near the baseboard. And I remember when I first saw one, I thought, what in the heck is that? And the uh, real estate agent uh, was, was, I was actually looking at it because we were looking to insure the house. 
And the real estate agent sort of chuckled and she said, well, that's for the vacuum. And I said, it's just a hole. And she said, well, every room, there's a hole and you, you have a special hose and you hook that hose into the hole and you turn it on and it, it you know, basically it, it's the vacuum and, and the pipes go through the house and it goes into the garage where you empty the, uh, empty the vacuum bag. And I thought to myself, of course, on the one hand, that's super cool. And on the other hand, I thought, oh my God, if one of those pipes in the wall cracks or breaks, you're gonna have crap going through the house all through the walls and oh, what a mess. Yeah, I guess being in my in the insurance business can get, make you look at things with a bit of a jaundiced eye sometimes. But anyway, my point is that there are many factors that go into determining the, your premium and construction type and sophistication is certainly the big ones to keep in mind. We know things like deductibles will affect that. That's fairly obvious. But just keep in mind, the more sophisticated, the more special your home is, the more the potential is that it's going to cost to rebuild it, okay? Next question that came up has to do with personal property. Uh, and it, they, they're asking, basically they were asking, is my stuff covered in, in the house? And the answer is yes, with a big asterisk. So if we, if we buy a house, uh, let's assume the house basically is empty. There's nothing in there, which, which is, you know, I mean, there's some stuff in there. There's light fixtures and things of that nature. But for the most part, the house is empty. The moving van shows up and all of your stuff is in those boxes, yay, and you need to go through and unpack. So the question is, how does the insurance company know how much stuff you have? How do they know what's in the boxes? How do they know whether you have Louis Vuitton stuff or whether you have stuff that's just from Target? How do they know if you have expensive computer equipment? How do they know if... Um, you have a, oh, what's that called? Hastings mattress, you know, which is a very fancy mattress for beds that can run $50,000. How do they know that? Well, the answer is they don't. So how does an insurance company decide how much coverage to give you in personal property? And I'll give you the short answer. They use a rough percentage, and that percentage is usually based on what the dwelling amount, what the structure amount is. So, for example, if the house is insured for five hundred thousand, right? That's what's determined to be the cost to rebuild the house. Then they'll give you somewhere starting at about fifty percent for personal property. So you might look at about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in coverage for personal property. Now, I say give you; they're not giving it to you. It's usually what's recommended. Now, it used to be 50%, 60%, 70%, 75%. This was something that, that would help differentiate between insurance companies. What you need to be aware of is these days, uh, you will find some carriers that say, you can make it whatever you want. Don't assume anything. That's my point. Don't assume that you're going to have 50% for your personal property. Don't assume 60%. do not assume anything. Always look, always ask. And as importantly, if not more important, keep in mind that personal property is not all created equally. Every insurance policy, and I think I can say that without any hesitation, all of them, have what are called sublimits on personal property. What that means is since they don't know without you telling them what type of equipment, what type of personal property you have, whether it's average, expensive, uh, basic, I don't know, what's the politically correct way of saying you don't have fancy stuff? I just have stuff. Uh, they don't know. So they put limits on those things. For example, jewelry. That seems to be one of the big ones. 
How do they know that you have any jewelry? How do they know that you just spent $10,000 on an engagement ring? They don't. So the policy can't charge you enough premium for that $10,000 ring because they don't know it exists yet, right? So there are usually limits on jewelry coverage. It could be anywhere from $500 to a couple of thousand dollars. And if you have something, if you have a piece of jewelry that is worth more than that, then it's incumbent on you to let the insurance company know if you wanna have it insured and they will increase coverage for jewelry or they'll offer you a separate policy that will cover that ring all by itself. Now that's just one example of a sublimit in personal property. We'll talk about some more after the next break and uh, that will just take us a minute or two and I'll be right back. Once again, you are listening to the Insurance Hour on KZSB, 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. I am your host, Carl Sussman, back in a flash. Hour with me, your host, Carl Sussman, on KZSB Santa Barbara, 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. Send your questions to carl at am1290kzsb.com. Call 805 564 Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Insurance Hour with me, your host, Carl Sussman. You are again listening to KZSB, 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. I am here to help you with all of your insurance-related questions and general education because these days, I promise you, it is more incumbent on you than ever to have more of an understanding of what insurance covers and what it doesn't, where to get it and where to review it, who to talk to, who not to talk to. Things have really changed in California and they're continuing to change over the next few years. You really do need to know more than you used to. I mean, it's probably not your favorite thing to hear, but it's a reality. You need to know more than you did 10, 15 years ago. Sorry, don't shoot the messenger. Okay, before the break, we were talking about sublimits on personal property on homeowner's insurance which is a mouthful. And I mentioned that jewelry is, is one of the big ones, but it's by far not the only one. There are limits to things like cash. Now, I know, uh, especially these days, we don't tend to have a lot of cash lying around, you know, unless you're in, um, I don't know, a cash business that, or you're dealing with a lot of cash, like a, maybe you have a car wash business. Um, no, I did not mean that as a uh, call back to Breaking Bad. I meant literally like a coin car wash type of business, just something that has a lot of cash, okay? Uh, And then you could be looking at exclusions for business use. So maybe not even a good example, but my point is that cash has a limit in policies. You can't have your house burned down and say, hey, I had a million dollars in cash. That's not gonna fly. That's one of those things that, again, usually has a sublimit of $500, maybe $1,000 max, something like that. So be aware, if you tend to like to keep cash between your mattress, you should let your insurance company know and be sure that you have the appropriate coverage if you want to have coverage for it at all. Another thing, and this is always a fun one, uh, is firearms. There are limits to what they will pay for firearms unless you once again list them or schedule them. Deep sigh, 
Don't get political. Don't get social. Just talking about insurance, whether you have guns or not. Uh, just be aware, that is the point, that there are limits in the policy that will pay only so much per firearm or for all firearms, period, end of story. You should always look to be sure that if you want to have coverage, and I always preface it by saying if you want to have coverage, that you'll let your carrier know. Now, keep in mind, uh, and this is a big one, people forget, you don't have to insure everything. I mean, you literally don't have to insure absolutely everything. Sometimes people will go out and they, um, they'll buy very expensive computers, right? Macs tend to be very expensive. Uh, and, and they'll say, oh, well, I need to make sure I have coverage for this, for this computer. Okay, keep in mind that when you buy coverage for something like a computer and you have that protection, you might spend, let's just say, $5,000 on it today. But to repurchase that same computer next year or the year after, it might be $4,000, $3,000. It might be obsolete. So it's something to keep in mind, and it's always something to discuss with an agent or broker if you have one. If you're going to purchase insurance, what should your expectation be in the event of a loss? What are you looking to get? Are you expecting them to buy you a new one? Are you expecting them to pay you what a two-year-old computer is worth? What's it going to be? That actually is an awesome segue into the next question, which is what's the difference between replacement cost and actual cash value? Okay, this is, this is uh, I always use the same example on this one. Actual cash value, that is what, is what are what is the actual value of the parts? So I always take a TV as an example. You have a 10-year-old television. So what does that 10-year-old television look like? Well, how far back am I going? 10 years. No, I guess we already had flat screens 10 years ago. Um, we didn't have the huge big tubes. They weren't you know super deep at that point. They were already fairly flat, but they were very heavy. And the resolution was probably, I don't know, on the high end, 720p, something like that. Feel free, I'm going to get some hate email because I don't have my uh, resolutions right. But the point is, you had a TV 10 years ago, and forget what you paid for it, it doesn't matter. Because what actual cash value says is, okay, you've now had a loss to that television. Let's just say that it was stolen for the sake of discussion. What's going to happen if you have actual cash value? Well, they're going to say, well, it was a 10-year-old TV. Uh, how much do you think somebody would have paid for it? What do you think the value of it actually is if you add up the screen, the electronics, the components? Not a lot. Not a lot at all. I'm not even going to speculate, but I'm just going to say that uh, depending on the size, the actual cash value of a 10-year-old television set is not a lot. Certainly nowhere near what you would need to buy it again, right? Okay, well, that's not cool because if somebody steals your TV or it's lost in a fire or something happens to it and there's a covered loss, you want to get another one. That is where replacement cost coverage comes in. Now, what replacement cost does, and it's always sort of amazed me, is it will pay new for old. So you had a 10-year-old TV, and instead of saying, well, it's only worth about nothing, now we're going to pay what it costs to purchase a new TV of like kind. So if you had a 65-inch plasma TV and it's lost damage, whatever it might be, and there is coverage for it, they're not going to say, well, it's worth 50 bucks maybe because that's all it's worth these days. They're going to pay what it costs to get the new TV, which is super, super cool. 
it's actually very anti-insurance when you think about it. Because insurance in general, it's supposed to indemnify you. It's supposed to put you back in the position you were in before the loss, not make you better off, right? And arguably, uh, a new TV is better than a 10-year-old TV. But that's what replacement cost does. It will actually pay new for old. Now, one of the caveats to keep in mind with replacement costs is you can't go to the insurance company and say, hey, okay, that TV is going to cost me X number of dollars. Give me a check. What they're normally going to do, and again, this, this can vary by companies, but in general, is they'll say, okay, we're going to only pay you the actual cash value. And as soon as you go out and replace it or provide us with receipts of what it costs or or you know, estimates of what it's going to cost you, then we'll reimburse you up to the replacement value once you've done that, which makes sense. They're not going to just give you a check. You're not, bought, you're, you're not eligible, typically, again, and I'm not trying to get into policy specifics, but the way it's designed, the, the spirit of the concept is not for you to get cash for what the value of a new item that's gone would be because you had an old item. The idea is well, you had a TV, we want to get you a TV. We can't obviously go buy you a 10-year-old TV, so the best we can do is get you one that's about the same size, that's about blah, 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 and pay what that actual ca- what that actual cost is. That's what replacement cost does. It fills in that gap between the actual cash value, right, which is the amount that the, the parts would be worth, again, <clears throat> excuse me, again, in my example, next to nothing, and what it would actually cost to buy a new one. So very interesting. And I always, always think about it that way. That's so anti-insurance. That's just not the way it works. I'm getting something newer for something when I had something older. I mean, it works the same way with your house. They can't, if your house is built in 1955 and God forbid burns to the ground, uh, they can't build you a house again that's built in 1955. Uh, No matter how you crack it, you're going to have a new house. Uh, again, policy exclusions and exceptions, read your policy, blah, 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 blah. I can't help myself. I have to say it. But in general, if you have replacement costs on your home, subject to the limits of the policy and all the other conditions, they are in, in some way, shape, or form going to create a new house for you, not create an old house for you, even though you had an old house. In my example, built in 1955. So insurance is really amazing in that extent when you think about it because you are getting, you're not being put back to the position you were in before. And I think that's one of the, uh, one of the taglines from an insurance company commercial I've seen once, something about putting you back where you were or getting you back to the position you were in before, blah, blah, blah. It's really not. In, in more cases than not, you are actually going to end up better off than you did, than you were before the loss, because you're going to be getting newer stuff to replace your older stuff. Think about it. And yes, of course, you can say, well, duh, they can't get me the older stuff. I get it. But understand that when you have replacement cost, that's what you're doing. You are literally going to be in a better position with newer, whatever it might be, than if you had actual cash value which will simply compensate you for what the actual value would be in today's dollars for whatever that loss, uh, whatever that item was that had damage or loss. All right, another break. So go off, take a few minutes to take a break, let your mind percolate on all this good stuff, and I will be back in a few. Again, this is the Insurance Hour on KZSB, 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. 
This is KZSB Santa Barbara, 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. I am Carl Sussman, host of the Insurance Hour, live every Tuesday at 12 o'clock PM. Keep in mind, insurance policies are insurance policies, meaning you have it in case you have a loss. It's not an investment. It's not something you put money in with the guaranteed expectation of getting money out. That's a bank Hello, hello, and welcome back. This is the Insurance Hour with me, your host, Carl Sussman. This is, of course, KZSB, 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. And where we left off, we were talking about replacement costs versus actual cash value for determining what you're going to be compensated for in the event of a loss. And I think we've pretty much beaten it to death. So let's move on from there. And the, one of the other questions that I get asked in some form or another, this one actually I didn't get emailed, which surprised me because I get asked this question in the industry a lot by consumers, is what discounts can I get off my homeowner's insurance premium? Now, it's no surprise. Uh, if you're listening to this, you know that costs for insurance in California have been going up, up, up. We're dealing with things such as inflation. We're dealing with cost of construction increases. I mean, we could do an entire show on the why. But we know that the costs for insurance uh, premiums are going up. So looking for discounts is an obvious thing to do. What can we do? All right, let's take some of the quick ones that we can think of off the top of our head. What would make your house less likely to have a loss? Okay, that's the mantra. There's no magic, that's the mantra. The insurance carrier is going to say, okay, you want to have a discount. You want to pay less in premium. Show me what you've done to make it less likely that you have a loss. Makes perfect sense. One of the things they're going to look for are deadbolt locks. Yes, not all homes have them, but most insurance companies will give you a discount for having deadbolt locks. They will also want to be sure that you have a working fire extinguisher. I know um, this is a strange one because it seems like a no-brainer. You want a fire extinguisher in the house because a small fire can be easily put out, whereas if you don't have the right stuff there, it could turn into an entire house fire and bad, bad things can happen. Uh, and also smoke detectors. Now, there is there are codes in California, at any rate, that mandate you have certain things, and a working smoke detector is definitely one of them. Now, There are smoke detectors and there are smoke detectors, right? Yes, there's the smoke detector that you buy, you pop a AA battery in and you stick it to the ceiling and you say, ta-da, smoke detector. That might be good for a few months until you start hearing the beep, 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 because the battery's low and then you start throwing things at it until it finally gets knocked off the ceiling because you're so sick of that noise. I mean, you really should just go replace the battery because it's there serving a purpose, but how many of us do that versus finally getting fed up enough in the middle of the night that we stand up on whatever we can, peel that thing open, yank the battery out and throw it as far as we can, and then never think about it again. Unfortunately, that's what happens. So smoke detectors will give you a discount on your home insurance, but guess what? you will get a larger discount if you have a wired smoke detector, one that's actually powered by the electricity coming to the house, perhaps even one that has a battery backup. Why? Hmm. 
Could it be because the insurance carriers have figured out over time and through experience that people will do just that? If there's a battery-operated smoke detector, it's not going to necessarily be always working, whereas one that's wired into the house is going to more than likely be working. So you will get a discount for having a smoke detector, but you will get a larger one for a wired smoke detector. While we're talking about things that are wired in, we talked about deadbolt locks. Well, that's one way to keep out a burglar, but how about a burglar alarm system? Hmm, yes, that seems like it would keep people from breaking in your house. So you can expect to get a discount for having a burglar alarm system. And guess what else? What is going to be more of a deterrent? A burglar alarm system that just makes a lot of noise and pisses off the neighbors? Or one that's going to make a lot of noise, piss off the neighbors, and have the police show up? I'm a little tongue-in-cheek, but... Uh, the alarm systems that will call the police or call a central station will give you a larger discount than just the alarms that make noise. So when you see that sign on somebody's front lawn that says protected by blah, 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 I'm not giving anyone any advertising here, um, that, that's going to give you a larger discount than if it's not there. Those signs actually get stolen because people will take them uh, and sell them all by themselves to people because they know that if you stick one of those on your front lawn, uh, it, it's going to be a deterrent. I mean, it's, it's again, it's, it's a fact. It's statistically shown. You have a reporting alarm system. You are more likely to have uh, protection. You know, the burglar might just go on to the next house. What else? How about fire sprinklers in the house? Now, this is a fun one because people will say, uh, the fire, the sprinklers, you know, that's just going to cause water damage. And, well, you're not wrong. I mean, if you've got sprinklers that are going off in the house, it is going to cause water damage. But water damage from sprinklers tends to be a lot easier to fix and a lot less expensive than having to rebuild a house from scratch. Incidentally, I'll tell you an interesting story about, about, um, about sprinklers. Um, I, I always wondered, how do they test them? right? Because you, you're supposed to test your alarm system, right? You're supposed to test all, you know, anything for safety, test your uh, fire extinguisher, be sure it's charged, all that stuff. And I thought, how in the world do they test sprinklers? Clearly, they don't turn them on, right? That, that would be bad. So anyone have any idea how they test sprinklers to see if they're working? I bet you don't. So I'll just tell you anyway. They hook, they, they disconnect the sprinklers from water, and they connect it up. There's companies that do this. And they will connect it up to a, a an air canister that has some type of odor uh, or colored air in it. And they will, in essence, then trigger the sprinklers. And they can go to each sprinkler in the house. And they can see, is it pushing out that colored air or that scented air or whatever it is that they've hooked it up to? Uh, no, no damage, of course. And this way they can tell if there's a sprinkler that's not connected up or there's a break in the line somewhere it's not getting through and voila. So there's probably the most interesting thing you'll learn today. I'm just kidding. I hope I'm kidding. That's how they test sprinklers in houses is they hook it up to a, a tank like that and, and they check it by air uh, versus by obviously drenching the inside of the house. So Sprinklers, another another way to get a big discount on your house insurance, which again makes complete sense. Keep in mind, the best case scenario for you, the best case scenario for the insurance company is not to have a loss. And you're going to start to see this more and more as time goes by, especially in California. What are you doing to make your home less likely to have a loss? Is it an earthquake shutoff valve? That's another one. Now, 
You might say to yourself, wait a minute, I don't even have earthquake insurance. Yes, but that's not the point. The point is that if there's an earthquake and the gas line breaks somewhere in your house, guess what happens? Kablooey, fire, and you're going to have a fire loss. So there will be discounts given for having an earthquake shutoff valve. Some insurance companies actually mandate it. It's actually a cool little piece of hardware. It hooks up right where the gas line enters the house, and it has one of those little... Um, little bubbles in it, right? And if you shake it and the bubble moves a little bit, then it knows or it assumes there's an earthquake and then a valve slams shut and gas to the house gets shut off. It's pretty cool. That is something that's going to prevent losses and there are discounts that are available for that. Well, what about water damage? Well, you know, with the internet of things, we have smart devices. Some of these smart devices, you literally just glue them to the floor uh, or, or double stick tape them to the floor. And if water gets into them, then boom, they will set off some type of an alarm. So in the event that there's a leak under your sink, you'll, you know, you'll put one of those little sensors there or you put them underneath um, next to your toilet. You put them near the washing machine. You put them in places where there could potentially be water leaks. And that is going to be a way for you to detect if there's a small leak catch it, stop it, fix it before it becomes a major leak and becomes a major loss. Because again, what's the goal? Not to have a loss. And if you have one, to have as small of a loss as possible. That benefits you. It benefits the insurance companies. And so by doing these things preemptively, the insurance carriers are going to, be, are going to give you discounts on your premium because they know, they've had the experience enough to know that certain things such as um, these things I'm discussing will actually save money because they're going to result in less claims. All right, now we're gonna wrap it up after one more commercial break. I'll give you a few more tips on saving money on your home insurance. Also let you know what you should be expecting because things in the California homeowners insurance market are a changing. Once again, I am Carl Sussman and you are listening to the Insurance Hour on KZSB. 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. Be back in a flash. Hello, 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 and welcome back as we wrap up the episode today. And again, I am Carl Sussman. This is the Insurance Hour on KZSB, 1290 AM and 96.9 FM. Remember, I'm here Tuesdays at 12 noon. Here it again at 7 p.m. on Tuesdays. Again, 6 a.m. Wednesdays, Saturday, 7 p.m., Sunday, 1 p.m. I am just all over the place. You can never get enough insurance fun, can you? All right. Now, we've talked today about insurance discounts and what affects insurance premiums on your home. And as you may remember, if you've been with me since the beginning today, uh, my goal was to go through uh, homeowners and auto, and I barely scratched the surface on homeowners. And it's not just because I yap a lot, it's definitely got that in there, 
But it's not just because of that. It's because there are so many things that are going on. There are so there is so much that goes into this. I want to leave you with some important information. The insurance industry is going through a major shift. Now, yes, we're in California, if you're listening, most likely, and we're feeling a lot of this now. We tend to be the first ones to have the problems and the first ones to find the solutions, and that's definitely where we are right now. Because of different weather events, because of different costs of construction, because of the ability to more properly um, approximate where losses will happen, what type of losses they'll be, and, and, and just a plethora of other things like that, the insurance industry is going through a phase where how it determines what your premium is and how they charge you that premium is going to be changing dramatically and what you're paying is going to be changing dramatically. In the past, for the most part, if you were have if you were purchasing a house uh, and you had to get insurance on it, it was going to be similar, and I'm using that very loosely, in cost to what it would cost to rebuild that house in another part of the same town. It was going to be almost the same, right? Because it's in the same town, similar house, it'd be almost the same. This is not going to be the case going forward. Home insurance is going to be priced much, much more granularly, meaning it's going to take in many, many, many more factors. They're not going to just say, oh, what type of roof is it? They're going to say, what type of roof is it? When was it put in? How long has it been in effect? Let's look at the condition of the roof. Um, are they planning on replacing the roof anytime soon? Have there been any leaks in the roof? If there were leaks in the roof, what was done? Was there a permit pulled when they put the roof in? Is there an insurance policy on the contractor that put the new roof in? All of this information in the information age, oh, I can't believe I use that expression, but in the information age is fairly readily accessible. It's not something that you or I have to dig really hard to find out. Actually, all of those things, for the most part, you can find from uh, online, um, either for free because it's public record or with certain subscriptions to different uh, organizations. So as an example, your risk profile for your home is going to be different than the house next door. It just absolutely will be. And that's a good thing. Because if there's one thing that nobody likes to do, it's to subsidize somebody else. I don't think anybody likes that. I don't think there's a single person listening that says, you know what, I like paying more money so other people can pay less. I don't think that's, that's the way people think. I don't think that's the way the human mind works. And so the insurance industry is going to be shifting to a system where it can more specifically price your product your insurance for your actual risk. And it's not going to be so dependent on other factors that are outside of your control, like what did your neighbor do as far as, well, you're, the, you're, the neighborhoods had lots of claims and so that's going to affect your price dramatically. No, they're going to be looking at more specific items that have to do with you personally, your propensity to put in claims. How large are the claims? What types of the, What type of claims are they? I mean, you name it. They're going to be looking at a lot more information to help them come up with a more appropriate price. And that's a good thing. Again, I know it's a little freaky on one end, but at the end of the day, what we want is to be charged a fair, competitive, and accurate premium for the actual risk that we are. Hey, look, some of us just put in more claims than others do, right? It just happens. It, I mean, call it bad luck. 
Um, we that's what we like to in 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 my office. If someone has an accident, we say, "Up, oh, that was unlucky." I mean, some people just tend to have accidents, and some don't. Some people just tend to have claims, and some just don't. It just happens. I'm sure there's an actual reason out there in the universe, but for the now. Uh, the industry itself has been in a position where it has to really homogenize and, and, and group people together in more categories. And what's coming is the ability to more tailor the premium you're paying for your insurance based on you and things that you do. And with that, I will finish up today. I will thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate it. Please feel free to send me an email if you have questions. I'd love to talk about them next time we are together. That's carl at am1290kzsb.com or bug them at the switchboard. Give them something to do at 805-564-1290. And as always, this show is dedicated to Shamrock Papa. Everyone, take care. Take care.